people warn you about you go into do a graduate program and then you crash after. That's like this like standard narrative. I thought I was exempt from it because I don't have an undergrad and I know how like I would have to, like I knew what it felt like to be an, a grown-up artist in the world. I wasn't like gonna. I thought I, well, I just thought that that crash wasn't gonna happen to me. I thought that was for other people who like just had a different set of experiences. I was in a place where I had, was like kind of responsible for someone who wasn't doing well in my life like really badly and so and that was like a long like a couple of years of like the person I loved illness and I was taking care of them and <clears throat> with like not resentment or anything like that but it does like there was a lot of time where I was like too well I was too afraid to draw like it was scary it was like a very scary couple of years and then when I did start to draw this is what started happening was like these figures with like hairy boobs and like um, babies and stuff. That was the voice of Montreal-based visual artist Nadia Moss. I sat down with her for this ninth episode of the Art Talks Montreal podcast. She makes drawings of bodies and shapes and creatures that could be from this world or another world or her subconscious or yours. Her characters often exist within a white space with no background or landscape to support them. They're in ink, sometimes watercolors, other times she paints, she makes installations. She uses all sorts of materials, string, fur, plastic. Lately she's really into insulation styrofoam and she's been making double walls and piercing into them with pins and all different kinds of pearls. She made music for a long time as part of The Witchies and collaborated with a number of other projects. She's published two artist books of drawings and etchings with Lois Cravant. She's been in countless group shows, art fairs, and festivals. She's had solo exhibitions in Toronto, Montreal, North Bay, even as far as San Francisco. She's done residencies at Banff and in New York. She's given artist talks and lectures in art centers and galleries and universities across Canada. We sat down in her kitchen in Park X, and she talked about the different events and influences that have shaped her and changed her practice over the years. Uh, hi, Nadia. Hi. hi. Um, I guess I'll just go right into it. Yeah, no, 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 go right into it. Um, a lot of your characters exist within a white space. I was sort of scowling mm -hmm. your imagery online, and I've been to a few of your shows. Um, there's no background or landscape, and it seems to me that in this way they inhabit a world by themselves. Then the lack of place makes the figures seem more real, and even their relationships to each other seem somehow more real because of the, that blank background. I'm wondering if you could tell me more about the world that your characters inhabit. Well, that's super cool, <laughs> because my focus or my interest is on how figures are relating to each other or to objects like i shy away from providing too much context because that would locate things too much i guess like and i used to like i didn't even want to put hair on people or like particularly gender them or anything because i just like i want like the least amount of context like reaching for some mm -hmm. kind of universal figure thing which is like not you can't get a universal figure. Like, the only thing that... Well, And your no. figures are so un-universal. Yeah, no, totally <laughs> I know. But, like, because the only thing that everyone has is a body. Like, that's the only thing. So mm -hmm. then I'm like, okay, I work with bodies. 
and then they can look all sorts of kinds of ways. But it's true, like it, within the background, like I think I appreciate the space because it is a figure's movement and relationship that I'm always working with. And that's not like necessarily on purpose, I would say. Well, <laughs> because it's probably habit by now. Really it's much. habit, yeah. And it's also because of the way that I approach drawing. I use it to figure out what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Like sort of that's my paramount. So I'm not um, I'm not usually coming to anything with an agenda. So I yeah. am figuring it out retrospectively. And, and I guess I'm using it to figure out my relationship to things and the world. So it is like it's totally about me. And <laughs> well, okay, I, I actually want to talk about the weird things or the, the like, exhibition at, at weird things, was, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that I saw last fall mm-hmm. and the way that I read it. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, yeah, tell was, me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I saw a lot of struggle and transformation, and so it seemed to me as though there was an interiority that was somehow deeper and different than the outside being, and that that interior self was like fighting and pulling and pushing and piercing and tearing to, to get inside itself and also to reemerge. Like the, that, mm-hmm. that's what I saw. But mm-hmm. what, tell me what that show is about. Or that's what you so were. moving because see, I, for real, because the, what that show is about for me, honestly, was that I needed a deadline really badly because I haven't, <laughs> but it's true. Like that, it's like, it's, everything seems like my practical choice, I make a practical choice that has nothing to do with the content of the art, i.e. like, I'm going to set up a deadline. Mm-hmm. What springs from like, I think purely a practical choice, i.e. I need a deadline turns into a reflection of a moment, like in a pretty profound way sometimes if I'm successful. And do you think that's what that was? Well, for that? instance, yeah, like I'm, I had this weird life change a couple years ago where I went to school for my first time really, besides I dropped out of art school like in 99 and then was a self-taught whatever I mean (laughs) you were making art I was making art outside of the institution and like feeling uh, content on some level and then I just on a whim applied to York who would look at me not really on a whim but pretty much on a whim I was like I needed a change in my life and like school is a pretty like structured Mm -hmm. like obvious change Mm -hmm. of course and like Montreal has some real golden handcuffs kind of features to it. So I heard it called the velvet trap. The velvet trap. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, right. I hear exactly. Yeah, what you you're know. Saying. So then I'm like, okay, I gotta like set out a pretty specific challenge. So I went to York in Toronto. In Toronto, and I did a master's, and um, it was wild and it was rough, and I would have during those two years like tried to, like, get all my friends as far away from that institution as possible. Really? But wait, wait, wait. It was wild and rough because... Oh, I just thought it was so, so full of shit. Really? <laughs> yeah, but it was fascinating. I learned so much. Like, they were making thing. you read texts you didn't like? I love reading texts. I love reading texts. I love reading texts and discussing them. That was amazing. I love talking about art. I love being in a place where people come to my studio and talk about what I'm doing for an hour and a half. It's like the greatest privilege that I'll never have again, probably. But But that institution, like to try and be like a sort of independent and like political voice within, like York is liberal and left wing Mm -hmm. generally, right? And then they're pretty cool. Yeah, it's like, it's cool. (laughs) There's cool people there doing cool research. And then I had this image of art school and artists, because I have been in Montreal in like a chosen bubble, 
I thought all artists, for instance, had politics, and I thought all artists were musicians, or not even, but you know what I mean? Like, I thought we were all kind of creative on in every the same aspect page. of your life. Yeah, and I thought we all re- cared about the world. And what were these artists at your I, This is not people, this is not, like, people in your particular, okay. but it sort of more of a sense of, like, the politics that we discussed there are just like a layer of aesthetic to your art like it all just felt very meaningless and like so I felt like I was like in this weird trap I don't know what's because so, because everything I said was acceptable which is fucked nobody would challenge you or stand up for something that may not mesh with you or kind of yeah or just like like I could sort of be <laughs> it's a weird thing to complain about but I could be like a total freak on some level, and I could just be, like, pissed off at everything, and, like, because I was. Why is that and then, okay? And then, but, but it wasn't, and then it would be, like, York would be, like, well, that's okay, honey, you're just one of those. Like, I felt, like, instantly, it was, like, categorized. It was impossible to get out of. They were so open that you felt. It was so, yeah, it was, like, trapped. I was, like, punching into, like, a jello wall. Like, it just, like, too accepting, and it made me feel crazy. Like, I'm used to. That's so weird. It was very weird, and it's, like, funded. You know what I mean? Like, it was, like, the most. <laughs> best place on earth <laughs> and, then, and yet I couldn't like yeah, yeah. <laughs> what well now I miss it <laughs> Jesus. yeah I did that but actually that culminated in my favorite art show that I've ever done which was in my old high school mm-hmm. that was my thesis show where again it was like not a practical decision here but it was like because they started informing us that we were going to need to rent a downtown gallery or find some kind of like location and without their support and I was irritated and I was like fuck you I'm gonna do it in my old high school why not which was like but in my head like when I came up with that idea it was kind of a joke and then I sat with it and then I was like no this isn't a joke this is the best thing I could do and then was it an arts high school no, it was an alternative school that was like, it kind of had an art reputation because the, one of the main, there's only five teachers and one of them was like a art kind of person and he's still there. So mm-hmm. he, my old art teacher was there, which was sort of the best thing. It was so sweet. And uh, no, it was like a very safe, lovely place for people that weren't thriving in the main school system. And Toronto has a lot of these or had a lot of those in the 90s and it was really lucky and so I have I had and because I was moving back after like 13 years or 12 years away I had all this like high school nostalgia which was totally surprising I'm like listening to crass again in my car and crying and stuff like it was really funny and then yeah so I decided to have my show there and I approached them and then it turned into this kind of residency because I was there for three weeks installing and um that was just one of the most joyful experiences to be able to I, I was in the Inglenook, it's called Inglenook Community mm. High School, and they have this little kitchen area that is also their gar- art gallery. So I booked their art gallery slash kitchen area. And the way the school is, there's classes, and you're supposed to go to them, but you often don't. But because it's this, the environment there is so kind of gentle that sometimes you skip school and just like hang out in school. And that's okay. It's like, it's okay, but it's also like, it kind of says a lot for the environment that, that mm-hmm. people still kind of want to be there, even if they're fucking up, they're like safely fucking, I don't know, yeah, it's sweet. No, yeah, and so this show, a lot of what I've been doing lately is these like small cutout on translucent or transparent plastic with mm-hmm. pins, mm-hmm. but because this school is Toronto School Board and I couldn't do too much damage to their walls, I 
thought of this workaround, which was to buy insulation styrofoam. Okay, that pink stuff? No. The pink stuff, yeah. And paint it and plaster, like, I just, like, put it on the walls and painted and plastered it. And it looked exactly like wall. Like, I was even surprised at how awesome it looked. You created like. a double wall. I just made a wall. And they let you? Yeah. Cause All it, around? Yeah, yeah. I did. And I even did a bit of a false wall that you could see. Through, like, yeah, I just, like, I kind of changed the architecture a little bit. I had more ambition, but then scaled it back. And then I realized as I'm working, I can embed shit and draw with holes, which is something I'm really into, but it gives me great pain to do it on Jiprock, mm -hmm. like punching tiny holes. So I was like doing these really elaborate hole drawings in the styrofoam, which just looked like wall, which was awesome. So I had all this... feel like a vandal, but it's also set up. In yeah, and then there's like this kind of, and that like adds some kind of layer of poetry to the fact that it's in my old high school mm -hmm. that I'm like kind of exercising certain ghosts which I thought were going to be really profound ghosts for me that once I got there I realized they weren't which was another interesting you didn't feel as pent up or there wasn't as much yeah you have to write your thesis before you do the show at York mm -hmm. and my thesis was a dialogue between my current now self and my teenage self and we were talking about art and sort of like early feminism and bodies and ghosts and like this thing that I had when I was a teenager which like was or like a thing I had it was like a thing that I named this kind of like teenage self-consciousness was sort of what the show is about like this um like I called it when I was a teenager I called it a Siamese twin ghost limb because it felt like I had a person stuck to me wow. and we talked about that a lot me and the teenager this, how, like, how did you dialogue with the teenager just back and forth I mean you made it up Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, it was me and me. I made it up. It was like, again, a practical workaround because I'm like, I can't write a thesis. I can't say anything concrete about art because every word that I use just cancels out another word. I think that's a common problem for visual artists, like artists who don't naturally... I don't understand what you mean. Anything that I say about a drawing yeah. cancels out other possibilities. That's uh, how I feel you're, about you're, it. Because you're pigeon... Yeah. yeah. It yeah. just means you're defining something that could And at could the same have. time, it's... A, or not it's supposed to, but it's best when it speaks for itself because you made the fucking drawing. That's, like, that's, that's it, what right? it is. Yeah. And like then... Yeah. So for this thesis, I was like very anxious about that. I'm like, I don't want to sort of define anything. But I know that's also kind of... Or I was made to feel that that's maybe juvenile. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, if I'm you can justify it, then it's okay. Yeah. yeah, but but so I was like, well, if I put it in a dialogue, at least I'll have a chance to like call myself out on stuff or be like, that's stupid, you know. So I did a bunch of that. Like the teenage me was kind of ribbing the adult me on mm -hmm. some level. Like, why are you such a loser? <laughs> really? Yeah. The teenage you wanted to know why you didn't want to define things and why? No, no. She. I just gave her more like the opportunity to. Um, Accused me of being too wordy or being a sellout. Oh. Or, yeah, so which was nice for me to yeah, be yeah. able to air that. Yeah. Um, but so I did that all like in advance of the show because that's just the way it's set up. Mm -hmm. um, and that thesis was like very much about this like kind of like like trauma and pain, you know? And then, and I was worried about, I was worried that I would get into the high school and that I would be only protective of or like care about the girls for instance, that I was like, I was like holding on to this like old, like hurt or whatever, 
like teenage. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Just that I, I would, as like, an adult, you were as a, when I, you went back to do the that show. That I was going to be an asshole to the boy students. Okay, I understand. Um, because I had less empathy for them, I okay. thought my like teenage hurt and anger is like quite like essentialist and second wavy. <laughs> But it exists as that, and yeah. like it's not gonna yeah. change. I can't change what I felt like that's, then. But such an interesting fear. <laughs> my experience there was so different because I was like, looking. It, it wasn't about me as much as I thought. Like I thought it was gonna. Mm-hmm. I was gonna be in this high school, and like the smell and the everything was gonna be so like nostalgic. I kind of wasn't taking into account that these hilarious teenagers were going to be there being teenagers like... Teenagers are amazing. They're so funny. I mean, I know that they're... Like, they were so... They're, like, talking about craft dinner all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, drinking. And they have really stupid tattoos already. And they're just so cute. Aww. And, like... And way, way, way cooler than I was mm-hmm. and on a lot of levels. And, like, one of them was, like... This was, like... So you're from the 90s? <laughs> From the 90s? And I was like, I guess so. And they were like, were you into Riot Girl? And I was like, yeah. I mean, you know, blah, blah. And they were like, Riot Girl's totally transphobic. (laughs) (laughs) And it was awesome. You got school. I did. It was so cool. Anyway, because that school has, like, they have a queer studies program, for instance. In high school? Well, when I was there, it was women in literature, and it was gender segregated. And then that was, like, the big radical class. And then... A couple years later, it became gay and lesbian studies, gender integrated. The segregate, it was a big, that was like always controversial. Anyway, and then now it's queer studies. Mm-hmm. And they were like, there's kids like co- like complaining about their queer studies exam. I in the kitchen. High school. Oh, so styrofoam. Yeah. That actually like blew open this like, I don't know what yet. I'm still kind of grappling with Using it. that as a material. And yeah, and as a fake wall. I did bring, I brought the styrofoam and that show to Line Gallery in North Bay mm-hmm. um, last October. They're like an independent drawing gallery specifically. And so I brought that installation there. Mm-hmm. And it, redid the second walls. Yeah. I mean, it's totally different. It looked different. The layout's different because the narrative changes every time. But mm-hmm. the walls I redid. Because it looks, it's just wall. Like, it's so funny how if you, if you just tell someone, like, if you say something's a wall and it's white, and people are like, yep. Yeah. You know, and then, so in the Inglenook show, I had part of, part of one of the symbols that I kept sort of reaching for was about pearls and, like, how pearls get formed and how that is just really super gross. What do and you mean? The, the bit of dirt that just... It's dirt or it's like an injury and then it's like scar tissue over and over and over again. But also like how they're farmed is so gnarly and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I'm like, have this collection of like fake pearls from Ardennes now. Like I've, I'm like from all over. I've been like just on a pearl hunt forever and I was embedding them in the walls. I love that. Like embedding. It's the coolest thing. Yeah. It's so cool. Like I know was, and also embedded a lot of dirt in the walls, like in, in, in shapes, like I could draw with a knife and then shoved dirt inside. So it sort of had this like, it just, yeah, it really blew up in a lot for me. But I've been asked a couple of times, have I considered using the styrofoam as a panel, like trying to not do a room with the styrofoam and the and cutouts and just do something, I guess, more sellable. No, no, but, and mm-hmm. how do you feel about that? Well, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, especially since I've been to <laughs> master's program, I am like, 
my relationship to like selling drawings is totally way less fraught. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Selling. Really? You awesome. mean you mean you want to do it a lot more now? Or? Well, no, I mean it's just I have I'm less precious about like market aspects of like I don't mind commerce. I don't mind like hey, you want to buy a drawing? Cool. And before school, you were. Well, I I'm always uncomfortable to ask for money. Like I'm it, mm-hmm. it's not that it's just that the the difference between like there's no purity in the institutions that aren't selling the art. So let's you not know? pretend. Exactly. Like, there's no purity in museums. Obviously, that, or, like, artist-run centers, there's yeah. maybe a bit more, but it's government. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's nothing yeah. untainted, so therefore... If you can help me pay my rent and I get yeah, this on yeah. panel, sure. I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm not collected, particularly. Like, if someone's buying something from me, it's because they're going to put it up, you know? Are you represented? No, I'm not gallery represented. I'm not. <laughs> and I would take it. I'm not against it. But I'm also pretty... I mean, I, li- I do those prints, like, I like to have things that anyone could buy, like, I like to have a $2 thing, and I like to have... Okay, but that's besides the point. So, <laughs> I have all this styrofoam. So, the Weird Things show, um, which I guess we could mention has a couple of objects made out of this styrofoam. Yeah. Now, they're, like, drawing object things or panel-y things. So, that show was practically a deadline. That's what I said. And that's because after this master's program that I just <laughs> digressed into, yeah. I felt dead inside. <laughs> Not really dead inside. People warn you about you go in to do a graduate program and then you crash after. And mm-hmm. then so that's like this like standard narrative. I thought I was exempt from it because I don't have an undergrad and I know how like I would have like I knew what it felt like to be an, a grown-up artist in the world. I wasn't like gonna emerge with some like new like fear of you know. Yeah, you but thought I, you could navigate it. I thought I, well, I just thought that that crash wasn't gonna happen to me. I thought that was for other people who like just had a different set of experiences. But it turns out that because the momentum of school is so specific and forced, and then rigorous. Yeah, it's rigorous, and it's like outside of your control, and mm-hmm. like. There's, again, there's, like, so much to complain about, but the th- your complaints are, like, so easy. Or they're just, like, they're contained, you know? Expected like, almost. Or mm-hmm. contained like, it's all part of the program. Yeah. Like, and, like, feeling insecure is part of the program, and feeling, like, like intense anxiety about nothing is part of the program, you know? <laughs> like, it's all, like, part of it. And post-graduate school, which is a so I didn't think I was going to be talking about school so much, but anyway, I was feeling this kind of loss and confusion and like not knowing where where I wanted to be on a lot of levels like a lot of things just sort of shifted in my life and I just was like feeling so groundless and rootless that it was like kind of I don't know I, horrible. I, I it was horrible and um I spoke to a very wise person on the telephone <laughs> I'm not gonna ask <laughs> no she was amazing she was, she's a, I don't know what she is. She's not a psychic. She's like an energy healer. Anyway, whatever. She was so amazing. But what she said was that like, my home is my studio, which was, and I had just written that, which was so funny. Like it was, this interview was asking me about what my studio was. And I was describing these like three different sort of categories of studio yeah. that I have and that I've just created and that but that the the most important category is the one where it's like oh I'm at home mm-hmm. I'm the most comfortable I am anywhere yeah. and that I didn't have one of those for a while was like awful so just somehow hearing this 
wise person who I don't know tell me that I have to like have a studio and get my shit together was like all I needed to hear kind of um, <laughs> I want to talk about the figures I'm curious about your imagination it, it seems as though it's pure and I hate that word pure but um, you, you're able to create these really intense and um, vivid and expansive and painful places and the reason why I really enjoy your work. Why I love it is because it 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 just is. Like you feel like you're. That is. It feels really so honest. So nice. But I want. <laughs> it is so nice. If you, well, I want to know about those figures, but or maybe how you nurture your imagination. Yeah. Which okay. Yeah. There are two questions. I yeah. Guess. No. 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 They're good questions. So. I there's like there's a couple modes I guess like. There's like the fast ink drawing mode, mm -hmm. which is if I'm in a disciplined moment, that would be in the morning. Mm -hmm. Not always though, but like that's like that's like one of those that's like very um, fleeting and based. I have to just recognize if I can or I can't. That's where the words come to, like the sort of word drawings yeah. where I use language, and um, if I have any kind of any inkling of self-consciousness it's gone it's like I just have to do it and like let it happen and then if like I look over my own shoulder for a minute it's like it ends it's over so you're in the space almost yeah have to... and that space I just have like learned how to kind of ask for it to come but I can't wait for it and mm -hmm. I have to just have faith in it and that's where I was scared after school I was like that wasn't really coming to me I felt very stuck but I, I'm not I'm not scared anymore um, okay. And the figures, or so there's a lot of babies, there's some hairy creatures, yeah. there's geese, like yeah. who the fuck? Yeah, well the ba yeah, I mean like that's all... And you're not a mother. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, the babies was, I mean the babies, that was an, that's like an older thing. thing, and that was like very much a moment, and it was like incredible, that was maybe the first time that I had like a chunk of time that I like look back it's because the book Bebe came out and then so then I got to like look at it mm -hmm. and like see that series from some kind of vantage point and realize how deeply I was working through you, you, some... you didn't notice the babies yeah. I knew I was making babies <laughs> no 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 of course I knew I was making babies but I think I started making babies because their bodies are so ridiculous and then um at a certain point it switched because of life circumstances where I found myself in like a pretty hard place and was um sort of it feels like it's not about babies no though. it's not it's, it's about not it's all. about nurturing it's about caregiving okay. like it's about That's the other figure about. yeah it's about it was about the other figure that was interacting with the babies okay that was like the caregiving figure i was i was in a place where i had was like kind of responsible for someone who wasn't doing well in my life like really badly and so and that was like a long like a couple of years of like the person I loved illness and I was taking care of them and <clears throat> with like not resentment or anything like that but it does like there was a lot of time where I was like too well I was too afraid to draw like it was scary it was like a very scary couple of years to <clears throat> even and, draw those drawings or? no I just didn't draw at all but like I was too afraid I just didn't take very much time for myself because I was too focused on this other more pressing thing and um and then when I did start to draw, this is what started happening, was, like, these figures with, like, hairy boobs and, like, um, babies and 
and stuff. And that's brilliant. It's just like letting them happen. Yeah. I remember like very specifically, like it was like one night, very late at night, (laughs) like watching, like the TV was on and I wasn't watching. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just started doodling and like the first one of those sort of came out. And then um, I just like, but it was such a comfort to draw again that I just let it go. Like it just, it really opened up. It's, (laughs) that is a real effing cliche <laughs> um yeah that babe like I just started drawing that series I guess for the most part mm-hmm. then and then didn't I mean I don't usually question what I'm doing as I'm doing it because it seems not worthwhile useless mm-hmm. yeah. um and then so later on I had this got this like perspective and I was like oh my gosh well yeah it was not about the babies it was about the caregiver and like who I was calling like this like id monster too like because I was so controlled and afraid and like had to be so with it for so long because of the circumstances that then every once in a while I would just like get like shit-faced and like totally no it was funny I mean it was all it's all great so but I do I look at that moment as like um this was like six or seven years ago but it was also around the same time that I um got a studio outside of my house for the first time and it was because of this circumstance that I like needed to like alter my living situation too and then so I had a studio outside of the house and um that like just those two things like the fact that I stopped drawing and then drew because I need to like where those like joggers talk about like stopping you know you train for a marathon then you stop for two days so that then the marathon comes and you really need to go yeah something like there's like some kind of momentum like working in me that I wasn't aware of it then when I started drawing again it was like blah it's like you were wound up yeah exactly and also having this studio that was like just dedicated and not like Mm -hmm. there was no piano there or like soup to make or you know what I mean it was just my studio and then um that's when the home began yeah I think so yeah and it also just changed the my relationship to like image making like it became I like I just understood it as kind of more necessity mm-hmm. you felt better after you did it yeah Linda Berry actually like <laughs> I mean she, like she's awesome and now she's kind of on this like self-help guru tip well, she, on some everybody is creative yeah. yeah which I and I appreciate and I agree but she has like I've been buying her books um forever I buy them for my sister like I read them first and then give them to my sister and then steal them back but it's like a tradition <laughs> that we have and because we both loved her comics since forever because they were in the now magazine um she had one called 100 1000 some amount of demons 100 <laughs> demons yeah. that has like an instructional at the beginning which was like get a brush and ink and draw your demons really fast and I am, like, um, quite snobby, usually, when it comes to instructional. Like, I don't do stuff like that, ever. Yeah. I'm like, oh, nice idea. And, like, <laughs> I would never do anything that anyone said. Like, <laughs> when somebody's on stage and they go, everybody put your hands up or everybody else. No, I'll do that if I ha- But it's more just, like, like, try this craft. I'm like, no, I'll make up my own fucking craft, you know? I just, like, it's snobbery, snobby, kind yeah. of, yeah. But with her, I'm like, I think I'm going to try this. Or there's, like, something in it. And I hadn't drawn with a brush before. Mm-hmm. And I just did it. I remember that too. And this was like sort of also in the thick of this time of like kind of fear. And um, 
that changed everything too. So it's like maybe a three for. Linda Berry changed your life. Pretty much. <laughs> she kind of like when she came to speak here, I like wrote this like hurried love letter to her on the bus ride down. It was like like shaking, and then I like waited in line, and I'm like not yeah, and I don't care about celebrities even. But I was like Linda Berry. <laughs> Because of that, like, it was really important to me. Just doing that exercise, just drawing quickly with a brush, it's, like, very different than drawing slowly with a pen, you know? Now I have both, and it's really nice. Um, But, yeah, those are the things that, I guess, like, kind of changed my relationship and made me take myself more seriously and less seriously at the same time. Like, more seriously, like... being able to draw or making it about the work? What do you mean? like that I take myself more seriously and that I'll give myself actual space and resources to draw like and I'm taking Mm -hmm. that very seriously Mm -hmm. and then less seriously in that I'm like once you're there fuck it it's fine yeah exactly okay yeah exactly so create the 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 circumstances in which to be completely free but Mm -hmm. be very careful about making them yeah, like yeah, cozy. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's the wrong word. No, just but just right, whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. yeah. And so that's I'm in the process of doing that again. And that weird things show was like a very nice step into that for me because yeah. it felt good. It was like the exact amount of pressure that I needed. Like not very many people were gonna see it, but like people I loved were gonna see it. And it was one wall only, and mm-hmm. it's in this place that I really want to support space. yeah like yeah. Ob- like the only kind of place I care about these days in <laughs> yeah. some way it's like oh just this An alternative guy. art space yeah which is also like street. supporting someone who like is kind of super awesome Johnny mm. you know what I mean like he mm. has his life deleted like this is part of what he does with it and it's like he yeah. sleeps there you know what I mean it's just Aww. awesome so in that way I'm like that was like nothing complicated about it mm. um yeah yeah. I think that's good. Goodbye. Thanks, Nadia Moss. Bye. Get out of here. <laughs> Sorry. You're welcome anytime. Okay. My name is Yania Lee, and you've been listening to an Art Talks Montreal conversation with Nadia Moss. This is an edited version of our hour-long talk. The opening song was Behind the Bushes by The Knife, and this closing song is a cover by Montreal's own Mike and Mia. Talk to you soon. Is there anybody going to listen to my story all about the girl who came to stay? She's the kind of girl you want so bad it makes you sorry. Still, you don't.
Will she still be? 